Section 42 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Patrick Randall. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion. Volume 2, by Father Louis de Ségur, The Third Order of St. Francis. St. Francis of Assisi and St. Dominic were raised up by divine mercy at the beginning of the thirteenth century to sustain the church, shaken for more than two hundred years by the impious wars waged by the emperors and kings who called themselves Christian, against the sovereign pontiffs, the vicars of Jesus Christ, the supreme heads of the Holy Church, and the divinely appointed defenders of the true liberty of nations, as well as of the true authority of princes. In the midst of all these troubles, a certain laxity gradually crept into discipline and morals, and it became day by day more necessary that God should raise up, in the midst of his people, heroic souls capable of uniting all the elements of resurrection and of salutary reform, and rendering them victorious. St. Dominic, a Spaniard by birth, was sent by our Lord to accomplish the first half of this great task. St. Francis of Assisi, who merited by his heavenly life the title of seraphic, accomplished the second, and with his holy friend renewed the face of the earth. St. Francis was born at Assisi, a little town of the Papal States, towards the end of the twelfth century. He was smitten with a holy love for evangelical poverty. He gave up all his possessions, humiliated and annihilated himself, according to the example of his Savior, changed his rich garments for a coarse woolen habit, girded himself with a cord, and, going forth barefooted as a poor religious of Jesus Christ, having for his only riches Jesus in his heart, he began preaching penance everywhere, and soon saw gathering round him not only hundreds, but thousands and thousands of disciples, who walked with enthusiasm in his steps, and recalled, by their austere and angelical life, the life of the early Christians. The Pope, in approving the idea of the seraphic Father Francis, named these new religious fratres minores, the little brothers. The gospel was their only rule. Poverty, humility, meekness, penance, simplicity, indefatigable zeal for the salvation of others, and especially for the sanctification of the poor and lowly, 
an absolute allegiance to the sovereign pontiff and the church, a tender devotion to the Blessed Virgin, and above all, an excess of love for the sweet Savior Jesus, the King of the Church and the Light of the World. Such was their spirit. The good St. Francis, aided by St. Clare of Assisi, had established for women the same institute of penance, and the converts of these daughters of poverty, afterwards called the poor Clares, multiplied rapidly. St. Francis was inspired to found a third order of penance for Christians living in the world, both priests and laity, that they also might participate individually in the spirit of evangelical renovation and religious sanctification, which produced such marvelous fruits in the convents of the poor clares and the monasteries of the friars minor. This is what is called the Third Order of St. Francis, which has been solemnly approved by the Holy See. It was rapidly propagated throughout all the countries of the Catholic world, and for six centuries and a half it has enrolled within its ranks millions of holy souls. Nothing can be more simple than the rule of the Third Order of St. Francis, intended for all conditions of the secular life, instituted for the rich as well as for the poor, for ecclesiastics and for military men, for merchants and for women in society, fitted for all ages. It is adapted, like the gospel itself, to all our necessities of position, health, and fortune. Besides the fact that it imposes no obligation under pain of sin, it accommodates itself to all particular cases owing to the permission given by the Holy Founder to all the fathers of the First Order and also to the confessor of each tertiary to commute the different requirements according to circumstances. Indeed, the one thing needful in the Third Order is the spirit, the spirit of penance, the spirit of detachment and Christian poverty, the spirit of simplicity and love in religion, whilst the practices and means pointed out by the rule are only of secondary importance and completely subordinate to the principal object. I will even add that, society being what it is, there are few people living in the world who can exactly observe all the rule of the third order. Therefore, if it is evident that owing to your health or the requirements of your position, you can only observe a part of this rule, must you therefore refrain from entering the third order? Certainly not. From the moment in which you desire to do all you can, from the moment that St. Francis sees in your heart the will to do penance and to love our dear Lord truly, he opens his heart to you, he holds out his arms to you, and calls you into the sacred ranks 
of his third order, which will strengthen your holy aspirations and bring them to perfection. As regards corporal penance, the rule imposes three obligations. First, to wear always, night and day, the woolen scapular and the cord of St. Francis. No one can be dispensed from this first obligation, which cannot affect the health. Second, to abstain on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Third, to fast on Friday. Many tertiaries cannot fulfill these two last conditions. They obtain a dispensation, and their confessor imposes some other work of piety or mortification by which they may satisfy the obligation, for instance, to assist at Mass, to say six paters, aves, and glorias for the souls in purgatory, of which we shall speak presently, or to give alms, or to go to communion for that intention, etc. As regards prayers, the rule imposes upon tertiaries who can read the daily recital of the little office of the Blessed Virgin according to the Roman ritual, and upon those who cannot read a certain number of Our Fathers and Hail Marys. The little office is also often commuted to shorter and easier prayers, some decades of the rosary, for instance, or the daily recitation of the miserere with the arms extended in the form of a cross, etc. Priests and religious satisfy by their office directing their intention. Incomparable graces ever accompany the children of St. Francis. The Church has crowned them with benedictions and has opened to them with incredible bounty the treasure of her indulgences. A plenary indulgence on the day of reception, a plenary indulgence at the hour of death, a daily plenary indulgence for the recitation of the chaplet of St. Francis, consisting of seven decades and three Hail Marys, in memory of the seventy-three years of the Blessed Virgin's life. A plenary indulgence also for the recitation of thirty-three Paternosters and Ave Marias, in memory of the thirty-three years of our Lord's life on earth. A plenary indulgence to those who approach Holy Communion on the feasts of our Lord, of the Blessed Virgin, of the Apostles, and of all the saints of the Order, who are very numerous, sometimes twelve and fifteen in a month, and lastly, a number of plenary and partial indulgences given in the manual of the Third Order, amongst which are the six paters, aves, and glorias, to the recitation of which the Holy See has deigned to attach all the plenary and partial indulgences of the sanctuaries of the Holy Land and the churches of Rome. These indulgences are so extensive that it is impossible to enumerate them. Every tertiary may gain them many times a day, 
as often as he shall recite with devotion these six paters, aves, and glorias, for the intentions of the Pope, the needs of the Church, and in honor of the seraphic St. Francis. This is what is called the Great Pardon. Almost all the indulgences of the Third Order are applicable to the souls in purgatory. Our Lord promised St. Francis that his triple spiritual family should endure to the end of the world. At the time that he received the sacred stigmata of the crucifixion upon Mount Alverno, he was wrapped in ecstasy during the whole night in a grotto where he went to pray. His companion and cherished disciple, whom he loved to call the little sheep of God, because of his meekness and innocence, surprised him in the midst of this great ecstasy. Hearing him speak, and seeing the reflection of the heavenly light which filled the grotto, Brother Leo ventured to advance toward the opening, and was thus the happy witness of the wonders of that sacred night. His seraphic father, lifted from the earth as though suspended in the air, seemed enveloped in an immense flame which lighted up all the interior of the cavern. He spoke, and a voice answered him, but Brother Leo could not understand the mysterious words. Having remarked three different times that St. Francis put his hand in his bosom as if to take something out, and afterwards offered it, in the flame, to him who spoke to him, Brother Leo acknowledged to his good father, quite simply, the next morning, that he had seen what had passed, and, asking him to forgive his presumption, begged him to explain it. Brother Leo, answered St. Francis, Brother Leo, little sheep of God, since thou hast surprised my secret, I will tell thee all. The divine flame which enveloped me during the night was the Holy Ghost, and in the midst of it my Saviour, Jesus Christ, deigned to appear to me and to speak to me familiarly as a friend speaking to his friend. He said to me, Francis, give me all thou hast. And I answered, O my sweet Lord, I have nothing left. I have renounced everything for thy love. I have nothing but this poor torn robe. Wouldst thou that I should give it thee? And then he commanded me to put my hand in my breast and give him all I should find. I obeyed and found to my great surprise a beautiful piece of gold, which I presented to him immediately. How can it be, I said? I believed that I had nothing. Seek again, replied my lord, and I sought and found a second piece of gold, which I gave him like the first. And yet a third time he told me to seek, and I found and gave to him. And when I uttered my surprise at finding gold in my possession, who had made myself his own poor servant for his love, Jesus said to me, Because thou hast given me everything, 
I give everything to thee. Thou hast given me three families of faithful disciples. As a reward, I give three promises to thee today. First, thy three orders shall endure until the end of the world. Secondly, at the hour of death, I will assist with special love all those who shall belong to them. Thirdly, I will bless and love all who shall love them. It was thus that my Lord spoke to me. But say nothing, Brother Leo, until the day when it shall be necessary to speak. Such is the third order of St. Francis of Assisi, the great religious family into which all faithful souls, desirous of obtaining true sanctification in the midst of the temptations of the world, are lovingly invited. Pius IX was a tertiary of St. Francis. Many cardinals, bishops, princes, and princesses have enjoyed, and still enjoy, the same happiness. St. Louis, St. Ferdinand, King of Spain, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, St. Margaret of Cortona, St. Francis of Sales, the Venerable Abbe Ollier, founder of the seminaries in France, and a number of great men, warriors, artists, and poets, have been tertiaries of St. Francis. Michelangelo was a tertiary, and also Dante, who desired to be buried in the habit of St. Francis. The holiest priest of the time, the saintly Curé d'Ars, belonged to this order. France, Italy, and Spain are filled with tertiaries, and even the most distant missions are reaping this spiritual advantage, and behold, beneath the shadow of the cross, newly planted by the Franciscan fathers, great numbers of the faithful, enrolling themselves under the banner of the seraphic patriarch. But at the present time, more especially, the third order should be honored and loved by the true children of God. It is directly opposed to all the evils of the day, and its spirit, which is the spirit of the gospel and the church, is a direct antidote to that fatal influence which the enemies of the Catholic faith desire to represent as the spirit of social and religious progress. Modern society will have nothing to do with penance, especially with outward and corporal penance. It speaks of nothing but pleasure and luxury, of commerce and money-making. The dream of the age is of liberty and independence, falsely so called. Whilst it is losing, day by day, the spirit of Christianity, the spirit of Catholicity, of reverence for the Holy See, and for ecclesiastical, secular, and paternal authority, and increasing every day in pride, self-sufficiency, and egotism. St. Francis presents to us, in the Third Order, the immediate remedy, 
the counterpoise to all these deplorable tendencies. A Christian life, penitent and seriously penitent, detachment from worldly vanities, and principally from money, the god of the age, simplicity in the midst of worldly employments, humility and obedience, practical devotion to the sovereign pontiff, and respect for all legitimate authority, whether in the church, the state, or the family, Christian love for the poor and lowly, in a word, the spirit of the gospel, the spirit of faith, of love to our blessed Lord, to his adorable sacrament, and to his immaculate mother. Note, anyone desiring to enter the third order need only apply to one of the Capuchin or Franciscan fathers, who will give the postulant all necessary details and receive him first as a novice and afterwards as a tertiary. If there are no Franciscans within reach to whom you can apply, it would be sufficient to write to the Reverend Father Provincial of the Capuchins or Franciscans and ask him to delegate any priest you may name to perform the ceremony of admission. End note. End of section 42.